0: You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny, and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Right now, I hope you are sipping on some fizzy Housewives-inspired wine for yourself, packing a punch at 13% alcohol but less than a gram of sugar. my no filter wine. You can get it at nofilterwine.com. 13% alcohol by volume. So you will get Liddy City, but less than a gram of sugar. So you're not going to get that gnarly wine headache. Four fun designs inspired by some of our favorite, most iconic housewives moments. Must be 21 or older to order, but please sip responsibly. Get Liddy City. It's going to be a good time. Head over to nofilterwine.com right now. That's nofilterwine.com. Okay. So I'm so excited. Seven years, 12 seasons, and now 500 episodes, and there's nobody else that I could celebrate this milestone with. She's had quite the career trajectory from the suburbs of Chicago to MTV to sitcom star, talk show host, radio host, panelist on The View, judge on The mass Singer, and now founder of Formless Beauty, the one and only Jenny mccarthy Wahlberg.
1: What an introduction.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And Thank you for still taking my calls. Are you
1: kidding? I've known Zach, by the way, since he was this big. And the moment I met him, I was like, this kid is going to go so far. Honestly, I'm so proud of you. Like, you are an inspiration to me. You are, I, I feel like I'm, i I've this ages me, but like, I feel like a proud mother. Aww. I do, I do. I just have seen you blossom and grow and kill it. Like, you're one of my favorite interviewers. Aw, thank you. Well, I've learned from the best. Oh,
0: please. I listened to so many episodes of Oprah? The Jen McCarthy Show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, I, we've known each other for so long. I feel like I was like a baby when I met you. You were
1: a baby. <laughs> you were a baby. But you were a baby that had a shining light on it. You had this glow and this heart and this passion And I have not met one other person in this business where I could say I 100% know that they are going to, their trajectory, their star is going to just explode.
0: I mean, I have to say, you were always somebody, even when I was like 16 and interning, like you always took a chance on me, which I feel like I always had to like prove myself. I mean, especially in this industry, you always have to constantly prove yourself. Um, But I am just grateful that you always saw something in me and you believed in me from the very beginning
1: 100%. and you know what's interesting about something you said not to get too philosophical right out of the bat but like really we're proving shit to ourselves yeah you know what i mean everyone comes into this like a girlfriend was saying to me where do you get your confidence from I'm like well it's we're all scared yeah we all think that we're not good enough we yeah. all think that we don't know what we're doing we all think someone's better than us and it's just a matter of just Moving forward, keep going. No. That's it.
0: When people tell me, Oh, you're so confident, I'm like, I'm delusional. I just wake up every day and I just do it. Scared, you know, tired, whatever it is, I just get up and I throw myself into it. And, you know, you can call it confidence. I call it delusion, but I think you need to be a little delusional in order to make anything happen for yourself. I said,
1: You know what? I have more of than confidence? Balls. Yes. I've got big balls because I'm, oh, I'm, I, I will run into the fire. Fire. um and i might melt and i have many yeah. times but i'm still going to keep going
0: now those balls have gotten you into trouble though oh, you've yeah. definitely been a lot more polarizing do you how do you bounce through that cuz i feel like you get as much as you give you it's you get the reflection back at you
1: totally um i guess it if i look back in hindsight at my life and my journey cuz it's much easier to look back in hindsight um I realized my high school was my preparation Hmm. because high school, I went to an all girl Catholic school and it was tough. It was way tougher than any of the backlash I've gotten or um, shit that I've gone through um, or being polarizing publicly. It was really hard, especially because when you're that age, you don't have the resources, the spirituality, the wisdom, the yeah. toolbox to deal with a lot of those things. So I just felt like so lost, chaotic, broken, uh, and didn't know where to turn. But by the time I got to Hollywood, I had this armor. Mm. And the armor really helped me um, get through a lot of that. And love like when you are doing something for someone you love in this case was my son yeah um it's amazing what I will lift up a car with my pinky if I had to you have the strength that comes out of I I think the divine you know um that drove me that said you know I've got to use my voice I think that everyone has a purpose in this lifetime and when I look at my own reason as to why I made it, I honestly believe it was for a greater purpose, like to um, not just kind of yunking up and show the pretty girls can fart and all those things. its It was really to kind of help maybe wake, in, wake some people up.
0: Yeah, which, I mean is the purpose is is what gets you through. It's what gets you through the hard days. It's what gets you through, you know, I think people that don't have purpose are the ones that are aimless Are the ones that ultimately end up kind of just fizzing out and living this, not a, I don't want to say mediocre life, but like this life of um, that lacks intention, but also like, you know, that mundane nine to five where they kind of hate their life and they're not really doing anything that wakes them up and fulfills them every day where did you learn how to do that? Especially being in Hollywood, like Hollywood can beat you up and Hollywood can tell you, Oh, you pose for playboy. You're all you're good for is blonde hair and boobs.
1: Which is what I was told. <laughs> yes. Many times. Um, I, when I first moved out here, um, I saw this store called the aura shop and it's mm-hmm. still there in Santa Monica. And, um, the Psychic Guy Bookshop, sorry, the aura shop is where I visit now. The Psychic Guy Bookshop was in Westwood. And I went inside and it was my first week I lived in LA and I looked around at these crystals and these books about near-death experiences, astral projection, channeling. I was 20 years old and I remember going like, oh, like something spoke to me after going to Catholic school and being in this box and thinking I was going to burn in hell yeah. for all eternity... This is a store that offered me a possibility of hope. Like, maybe I won't burn in hell forever. I didn't know there was other philosophies. Let me dive into this. I literally would go every single day while all these other playmates were parting their balls off and sitting there and absorbing all these books. And I remember the lady at the store was like, "Um, you've come in here like almost every day for the past six months. And she's like, have you read almost everything in the store? I'm like, almost. I mean... Thousands and thousands of near death near, near death experience books, like I said, astral projection. Then I got into, I just got into all of it, and it it gave me um, a, different perspectives. And to me, even to this day, if I can offer anything to people, it's perspectives change your life. Yeah, they open your mind. They offer compassion um, not only for people, but for yourself. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I was seeing things just in this tiny little way. Open my mind. You open your heart. So just walking into that store was a life changer for me. And then I just continued to, to fall down the rabbit hole of spirituality and found my own little gurus along the way. Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, Aaron Avkey, you know, yeah,
0: keep going. Love Aaron. Um, And it's funny because I don't think people realize how much into this you've been. Like, I remember being what? 17, 18, reading Love, Lest Than Faking It, where you talk about like breaking up with – or not breaking up with Christianity, but like also finding Buddhism and kind of like finding this new spirituality journey. And at the time, I remember reading it and not kind of fully understanding it, but also kind of being like, huh, there's something kind of here that I would do my own sort of research um, and just kind of going down that path. And then you have that path of awakening. I think I've even been like texting and being like, is it weird that when you start to have this like spiritual awakening – you like start to feel like you're losing yourself and you're like, that's breaking up with the ego. That's normal. I'm like, but it's so crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. You
1: do feel like you're kind of going yeah. crazy. It's like, and and it is kind of a a scary crazy and a good crazy. Yeah. You know, because you are losing your identity.
0: Yeah. And that is... Or your perceived identity. Yes,
1: exactly. You, you're like, oh my God, wait a minute. I'm not Jenny McCarthy for who people think I am. I'm not even... I'm not the name, I'm not the, oh my God, I'm not, who, and then it all starts to unravel. Yeah. And you're like, till you get to I Am. Yeah. And when you get to I Am, it's freaking incredible. It is. It really is. That is, that is the life best that has, the last life best, I think, that anyone needs yeah. is to get to the I Am.
0: And you don't stay in the I am. You have to constantly choose the I am. You have to constantly recalibrate because the world is going to uh, continue to knock you that? over a million times.
1: If I could stay in the I am, <laughs> I would be levitating or a monk yeah. in Tibet. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and and I think that's why we're here. We're here at Earth School. Yeah. You know, to um, experience all these things and try to live in duality. You know, duality, the good and the bad, um, is neither good nor bad. It just yeah. is. And we are there to... You know learn how to balance the two
0: is that what inspired you to launch formless beauty because it's very intention driven it's it's a lip gloss line and there are a ton of lip gloss lines out there right now but i think yours is so different because there's an intention behind every shade you know have what five right
1: correct and there's more on the way but i'm intentionally going very slow because i'm intentionally want to do everything right Yes, and the purpose for formless beauty initially because there are so many makeup brands out there, but knowing what I know in uh, industries and lobbyists, that there's a lot of crap. Yeah, in um, we know our food. I can go through everything. <laughs> I'm I'm swearing at the chemtrails today.
0: Yeah,
1: um, in makeup, when I found out that the last time the FDA regulated makeup was 80 years ago now think about that that means any company can come along put in some bullshit yeah and no one's going to call them out on it no one so you have to trust all these companies who by the way are having china manufacture it and have you seen people like i've seen like kids come back with their their toy makeup kits with these big rashes and blisters and and i think to myself. How in the heck are people putting their trust in it? It's because people don't know. Right. One. So I thought to myself, you know what? I need it for me. And yeah. that's when I usually come up with stuff. If I need it, I want to make it for me because I only trust myself at this point. But I think there's other people out there that are interested that also go, you know what? I want to make sure that the stuff I put on me is clean, is pure, and is made here. Exactly. Yeah
0: because well, everything you put on your skin your skin's essentially eating that's right you know especially and especially lip gloss because you're literally eating that
1: and i'm like all day long i'm like <laughs> it's like my stim
0: yeah and you've been doing lip gloss forever it's not even just the trend that you've jumped on you've always been into lip gloss
1: i love it it literally it's um it's kind of like an addiction a little <laughs> bit it is it's like i have to like a nervous habit like some people would do this or bite yeah. their nails yeah mine is apply lip gloss and the amount of crap that's in lip gloss, I was like, what am I really eating? Like, I'm touting, like, don't eat too much tuna. Don't do this to people. Don't do that. Don't do this. And here I am. I'm like, I got to realize I'm putting one of the biggest, largest organs, our skin. I'm putting shit on it. Yeah. So that's why I said, you know, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to start with lips, lip gloss. And eventually, I'd like to get into the eyeshadows because there's asbestos. Mm. In most eyeshadows, there's asbestos. And um, foundation, which we all know is the worst in it. That's going to be the hardest. Yeah. I'm probably 10 years away from really (laughs) creating the best foundation.
0: So what are some of the intentions that you currently have in the the gloss line?
1: Um, Well, I've manifest. uh, That's, of course, one of my favorites because I'm a big believer in manifestation. Love it. Did it from the time I was a little girl to right now. Um, Divine, our Divinity um finding the divine within there's love there's nothing bigger there's nothing greater and it's who we are we are love um so i include all these little manifestations with each purchase and it's only to kind of kickstart you you know you can use one of those yeah. um but i also say you know what whenever you put it on activate that intention feel mm-hmm.
0: it well I ordered some and I got the love one and I put it all over and I'm like, okay, where's my man? Where's my man? Where's my... And you know what I ended up finding? I needed to love myself and turn all the men off so that I can focus inward. And the universe is like, okay, you want love? Let's put you through it so that you can actually learn the lesson of what love actually means.
1: A hundred percent. Because, and you're lucky because if you're demanding it, you're going to get, who you're going to attract that level of consciousness that you're at. Yes. So if you are feeling shitty or low or not worthy, you're going to attract someone that is oh, feeling I did. Yeah, I did. unworthy. And <laughs> I've done plenty of those. Yeah. And when I turned my life around meeting Donnie Wahlberg, I uh, went through a period of like, okay, I'm stopping. I'm not going to attract anybody. I'm going to work on myself. And I dug deep. I was like, I'm going to go inside and fix all those boo-boos and, and – And then about a year, a little year and a half later, I said, okay, universe, all right, I'm ready. Now make sure whoever comes is, they don't have to be fully cooked. It's okay if I have to bake with them a little bit. But I know I shifted up. Because when I would meet people, I would reset myself, recalibrate, and be like, okay, I'm higher. I brought my vibration. Um, back up again and then I'd meet someone who isn't quite there and I could feel myself downshift mm-hmm. like a like a gear you know and it was weird I was like wait a minute I was here yeah but I would put myself back I could literally feel it so I said I'm not doing it again yeah they're gonna have to raise themselves up and when I met Donnie it was oh, it was wonderful and still is wonderful you- it took work
0: how are you guys doing? I can imagine it's challenging you coming back to LA. Him having to go to New York, being on tour—that like there's the physical barrier of not always being together. And I feel like physical intimacy is what a lot of people rely on to keep their relationship strong.
1: Totally, and um, that's what FaceTime is for. <laughs> that's
0: Love what a good some FaceTime. sexy time. FaceTime is
1: for <laughs> you know, and we used to have this rule called the 14-day rule, mm. and we did it for six years where we wouldn't go past 14 days. Then COVID happened and we both still had to work, but we couldn't fly. So, cause I used to in between mass singer where I'm at now, I used to go home in between each yeah. show. So I'd, I'd take a red eye. I'd go home and spend 24 hours with him and fly back. We can't do that. Yeah. Like we used to. So we are like, well, we just have to move to the next level of our relationship. And yeah. that's figure it out. Trust it. And we do. We laugh and we're like, we're so we're so good we're yeah. so solid like our our eight-year anniversary is august 31st and um it feels like just yesterday it literally i still get butterflies
0: it does feel like yesterday it does i it's so funny because we were just talking about the last time we actually saw each other which i now realize was at the new kids concert that's right, that's right. just a few, like less than a couple months ago
1: if you haven't seen the video that zach took at the the New Kids concert this past summer, you have to go on his page. Go on his page because it is – Donnie even said, he goes, this is the most epic shot. <laughs> it's just epic. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I had such a blast at the concert. I have to tell you, though, I we got there so early, like before everyone was even there. And I remember looking around at the stadium I'm like, is it because people are still afraid to go out? And I'm like, why does the stadium look so empty? I'm like, have New Kids lost their touch? And then 15 minutes later – Everybody, it was packed so, and I'm like, of course, they didn't lose their touch. The fans are so invested and like die hard. Die hard. Like, I mean, it is
1: if you think about it, they've incredible been doing this for 35 years. Yeah. And I, when I tour with Donnie, their arenas are sold out across the country. Yeah, this is it's just amazing. Yeah, They're, they are the greatest group of fans ever.
0: So sweet, ever. so kind. Um, so thoughtful. It was just, I mean, I always love getting to, to go to the concerts and like meet new you people. Said, I had a blast. I haven't been to a concert in a minute, but right. it was a blast.
1: We all needed to let loose.
0: Oh yeah. I was ready. Let loose. It was Litty City. I
1: know. I'm really, I need to let loose more. I'm ready for Vegas. I'm ready for a real Vegas hangover.
0: Yes. I, I well, you've me. been working. We have the Masked Singer season eight. It's going to be premiering again soon. Yep. Are you – did you envision it lasting this long, eight seasons?
1: Um, I envisioned it only in my manifestation visualizations. (laughs) Um, It was weird because just before Mass Singer, I was doing my radio show, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking to myself, like, I get these weird urges sometimes. I go, yeah, I really feel like getting back on TV and, like, would it be great? This is how I manifest. Wouldn't it be great if I got on a TV show that – He's, like, really successful, but I don't really have to carry the show. It's just great, and it's feel-good TV. whatever. And then literally, like, the next month, my agent's like, you just got this offer for this TV show. He's like, I think it's kind of weird. I think we should pass. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? It checks a lot of the boxes that it might be weird enough for it to be a hit. And it was. So I'm grateful.
0: I mean, and you're great. You're, what, one of the the – Best guessers on the show. You keep getting the award season after season.
1: I know they got rid of it this season because (sighs) someone keeps winning it.
0: Listen, I know. You
1: earned it. Hey, you know what? I know my pop culture.
0: You do? Okay. Do you study? Do you, like, how do you, like, are you secretly, like, Googling while they're on? Like, how do you even, I, I feel like I'm pretty pop culture savvy, but I couldn't guess
1: as many I'll tell you right answers. Is. This is the secret. Um, I did six, seven years, I don't know how long I was on Sirius for, uh, of celebrity dirt every day. So Mm. we had to keep up on what the heck was going on in the celebrities' lives. So when the clues would come up, I would know who was engaged, who was divorced, who Mm. was going through this, who lost somebody. I just was able to pick up on all those clues. Plus, I'm a lover of escape rooms Mm. and figuring stuff out. Whereas my, you know, fellow panelists, judges, um, they don't care much about the clues. They like to hear, you know, the the voices. So me being able to put those clues together, I think is what... Really gave me an edge and doing gossip on everyday on radio.
0: I mean, it's working. It's working. You're undefeated. I love watching the show. It's always always a good time.
1: Yeah, wait to see me on Fuego this season.
0: Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) What would you say? I mean, being so you. started on mtv now you're currently on fox most people don't start on a big network and then still have a big career on a big network so many years later like at some point there's a burnout and you're i feel like you're going stronger than you have you
1: know it has been a very weird interesting journey (laughs) if i can give you it in a nutshell because there's been so many ups and downs in betweens and twists and turns because when i first came out here was obviously i was the only job I can get was being a playmate mm. and which they were, I was told, you know, shut up, just pose and don't ever try to be funny or do anything serious. Um, then I got the job on MTV and then MTV took me off to do a show on NBC. And then the NBC show only lasted a year. And then I was signed to a production deal, like a holding deal. So in Hollywood, they hold you, they pay you to sit yeah. and they pay you to sit and not do anything for anybody else. And they'll develop something for you, maybe. Well, I had a development deal at Fox. Then I had a development deal at ABC. Then I had a development deal at NBC. Then I went back to ABC. Then I, so I went around and around and around. So I pay. I was paid to do nothing, except each one of those pilots weren't going. Yeah. So like all of a sudden I went, oh my god, it's been like six years, and I haven't been out there visually. Like that's kind of scary, even yeah. though I was getting paid. Um, And then I got pregnant, which was a very scary time because it was a pilot that was finally going to go. We were casting it and they found out I was pregnant with Evan and they fired me from my contract. I'm not sure if I told the story. They fired me and my lawyer said, you know, you have a lawsuit because you're not supposed to be considered disabled. They called you disabled because you were pregnant. And um, you could sue them, or you can work again. Mm. And this is back in the day, you know, where girls kind of had to shut up. Yeah. And I'm pregnant. And I'm like, first of all, I can't deal with a lawsuit. Yeah. I I just want to work. And so I was relying on that money, because they weren't going to pay me that holding fee either. So it was a very stressful time when I had to walk away, not walk away, get booted off and deliver. And went through my pregnancy and was like, you know what? I have a lot of stuff to say about this pregnancy thing that just happened. I'm just going to write a book about it and see what happens. So I started writing this book. I'm like, maybe I can make a few bucks from this. And sent it out to uh, tons of publishers, like all of them. And got rejection letters from every single one of them, except for one. For one that said, like, well, hi, we're a small publishing group, but we'll take you on. It's a funny pregnancy book. And it debuted at number nine. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I can write. And then I wrote, went from Belly Laughs to Baby Laughs, which was also a New York Times bestseller. And then I went to Life Laughs. And then, you know, the Autism Journey yeah. trilogy <laughs> happened. So being an author kind of took a whole new direction yeah. in my life um, to the point where I was like, okay, on to the next thing. I feel like I've had a lot of incarnations, you know, yeah. of of staying alive in this business. And you've done
0: it. What would you say was your career highlight and the one project you're like, oof, that was the toughest to do?
1: Ooh, that's such a good question. Um uh, you know, there's probably two highlights. Okay. Doing MTV for the first time, you know, like after getting told so many no's, yeah. after MTV refused to let me audition numerous times, I think it was like 16 times they would not let me audition, so I had to crash the audition. Um, And then the first episode of Singled Out, I caught my room on fire and almost died. And do you know that story? No. Oh my God. I was with my boyfriend and we were shooting it in Lake Havasu. And it was the very first time I'm gonna be on TV. Like they're giving me this shot to be this game show girl. And um I went to Lake Havasu and my boyfriend had the stomach flu. And I was like, listen, bitch, I have to get up early. I have to shoot this TV show. I'm gonna light this little candle and I'm gonna leave it here and you blow it out before you go to bed, because I'm going to bed. Well, I put the candle on top of my hot rollers and he didn't wind up blowing it out because he was kept throwing up and going back to sleep. So I'm going So in my sleep, this legit happens. I'm in this deep sleep and I have this figure come over me going, wake up. And I'm going, no, I'm I'm so cozy. And the figure's going, Jenny, wake up now. And I'm like, no, I'm so comfortable. And I remember being so comfortable in this black space of just comfort. And then finally this angel – screamed wake up and i opened up my eyes and the entire ceiling was orange flames orange rippling flames no sound it was silent and i i can't even see my hand in front of me because it's black everything's black and i start to shake my boyfriend and he's like i really hard to wake him up finally get him up he's like holy shit grabs me rolls me to the floor we're we're trying to find the exit because it's pitch black yeah and we're putting our hands on the door. We finally get out of the room, crawl through the living room part of the suite, open up the door, and roll out into the hallway. And it's the first time I get to see light and him, and he's pitch black. I mean, black. Ugh. And I look and see firemen running down the hallway. I'm like, where were the fucking alarms? Like, where was the right? shower, you know, whatever. And um, the firemen, after we were in the ambulance and everything, they're like, you had maybe five more minutes left of Wow. Throwing up black suit black suit black suit and i had to film my first mtv show that day
0: but you did it
1: i did it you
0: did and i think that is a testament to career longevity is still being able to show up for work right now everyone's like oh my stomach doesn't feel good today i'm gonna call
1: (laughs) i'm just like i'm having a bad hair day i can't show up at work yeah it's true yeah and i i did it and um was really happy because and everything kind of was trajectory from, trajectory from there. But the second one was when I got a phone call that said, Oprah wants you on um, to have you on for your book. Mm. Like, just to be able to have, like, when Oprah was on, anyone that was on her show that was chosen with the book, yeah. that was, the there was nothing bigger. There was nothing, except for Barbara Walters, 10 Most Fascinating People at the End of the Year. Those two things back in the day were everything. And so when I got that phone call, I literally remember... Falling on my knees and crying and being yeah. like, thank you. Because it was such an important book, too. And I was like, guided.
0: What was the most challenging?
1: Uh, job? Most challenging job. The View. Yeah. Of course. That's it. I was. I block that out. The View was really tough. Um. Initially, when I was hired, you know, they got rid of Joy and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Because they said that they were too polarizing. It was uh, they were kind of tired of being polarizing. That's really what it was. And they're like, we want to freshen up. We want someone to do light pop culture, fluffy. There's no one better that's fluffy.
0: Yeah,
1: pop culture. I am fluff. There's nothing I want to. I don't want to be a um, fighter. Yeah. You know, I can fight for certain You're, things. Yeah. But. I'm not gonna go on. I'm not gonna die on a hill yeah. for a politician or um, you know a pop star's um, like crusade, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just there's way more important things in life yeah. than to fight about every single thing that is going on in the world. And at that point, I I would have never have signed on for it. Yeah. Ever. I mean, you could see who's in the running. It was like me and Brooke Shields. They were going for a lighter fanfare and within the first week i think i brought up katie perry and when barbara walters said who's katie perry it they realized they couldn't do pop culture yeah you know barbara's wheels house was you know cutthroat issues that's why she created the view yeah and her memory was going a little bit so pop culture people weren't sticking right as much so they quickly changed within that week to be Back to politics, and you know, I'm like, I, I don't, I, I hadn't even voted
0: it by. Yeah, then. yeah.
1: Truly, that's how out of politics, yeah, I was, and I was like, you know, uh, raised in the family that I was in. Like, uh, I grew up to want to be a peacekeeper. Yeah, you know, if the people fight, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, ah, let me make you laugh. You know, yeah. like I need peace, and I'm sure that's from childhood some trauma. Yeah, but. I, I, every day then doing the view, I was sick. I was nauseous. It was – I would literally fall asleep at night do this. You know when you do that? Every, like all throughout the night i have earthquakes. Yeah. Earthquakes. I'm like, I can't do this. So the greatest thing ever was, um, you know, the Red Wedding, which is now I call it, where they let go of like 30 people. Yeah. People that were been there from the beginning. Like Bill, Sherry, you know, they just cleaned house
0: so you were interviewed for "Ladies Who Punch," made a lot of headlines. Do you feel like your interview was taken out of context, used for clickbait? Was everything honest? Did they chop it up in a way that didn't? Because I feel like we're in this culture where we love to take sound bites, make them headlines, and sensationalize them.
1: It's how it's how the industry works. Yeah. you know, I even knew that with radio. Any interview that I would do, you grab. Yeah. The the catchiest headline. So um being interviewed for that book, I kinda I knew what I was getting into. Um I wish there was a little bit more uh context, but I knew exactly what I was saying, you know, just coming off of the view. I feel like they made it sound like I was being too hard on Barbara when really I had the most compassion for her. Yeah. Like I love Barbara. Like she was my girl. Like, yeah. was I scared of her? Heck yeah! <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Yeah. You know, um, she's yelled at me numerous times. Yeah, but with Barbara, at least you know what you were getting. Like, it came from a, like I don't know how to say this, but like a like a, a sad place. Yeah, like, a, I felt compassion for it. Whereas other things that happened on the View were just dark.
0: Yeah, you didn't get along much with Whoopi.
1: I got along with Whoopi. I just, I just saw the dynamic of um, Barbara being here last year, mm. and Barbara wanting to like do the, be the lead for some things, and felt bad because Whoopi didn't want to kind of give up yeah. that seat. And I thought, well, Whoopi, you're going to be here for a long time. Give it to Barbara, you know. Yeah. So that kind of got blown up. Um, but I had some great times with Whoopi.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have you? talk to barbara at all i know you know she's kind of kept to herself in recent years
1: you know um we had sherry and i kept in touch a little bit after the view um and she was freaking devastated uh but she i i believe that um she's just chosen to stay private yeah few years.
0: would you say you learned more from oprah or from barbara
1: question oprah actually put me through some training um and it's interesting because i realized that each job had you have to use different tools like for instance oprah was very much about this is about who you're interviewing you want to um guide you know bring things out but not make it about yourself yeah when i went to podcast world Serious. It was the opposite. They were like, "We need more of your stories. We need more." And I was so trained yeah. to be like, oh, "It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about me." That I had to re. And I am an open book. I am an open book. But I just had to retrain myself to be like, "No, I can't talk about myself. I'm doing two hours a day. Yeah, I have to. Yeah." So that helped kind of uh, open me back up.
0: Now. You did have Erica Jane on your podcast on your rate serious x m show and you had a full one on one with her. I'm very curious what your thoughts are on Erica now, knowing that you know we have this whole embezzlement scandal with her husband Tom Girardi.
1: you know I can only give my i guess my my opinion really is and because I, I don't have any facts people are like, you know her I'm like, I don't know her. I interviewed her about her book, yeah, about what was in her book um. First of all, I give Erica a lot of credit to go from where she was to where she is now. Mm -hmm. Good on you. It was hard watching the documentary because, of course, you see a lot of those families that got screwed. You know, and it's a shame because she didn't commit the sins. Right. And it's if I was with a partner that was committing those sins and I really had no idea, what a shame. Yeah. You know, what a shame. Um, But even if I didn't know what was going on and then I found out with everybody else, I'm pretty sure I would do everything I can to get those families repaid. Yeah. So I think that that's where I would want to see her go, you know, and who knows, maybe she is, who knows, you know. Um, It it takes a a strong woman to continue to face the camera. Yeah. So who knows if it's for ego or if it's for maybe to use some of that money to help families.
0: Yeah. Well, I also think she's probably just in survival mode of like she can only see tunnel vision of what her, you know, path is. Do you have any advice to her taking so much of the heat that she is taking as someone that's also kind of sat? I mean, not in similar circumstances, but just in being a woman in Hollywood that's taking heat for, you know, just, Yeah.
1: And it's not shit, I should say. Taking heat, um, regardless of whether everything is true on you or not. Right. right. Just taking heat. Right. Um and not being able to reclaim that narrative. Right. Right. It's gonna be really hard, I think, to sing some of those songs. Yeah. Um I would just say to do the to do the inner work as much as possible. That's yeah. what everybody needs. You know, their shadow work, dark night of the soul. It's it's she's in it. Yeah, it's a matter of if you want to go inward and and do the work on it. Yeah, or not. Otherwise, that that journey is, just gets tougher and tougher.
0: It does. Do you ever find yourself retreating back into the ego and find? Because I have moments where I like will just go on Twitter and read all the mean things people have to say about me and go through all the forums of all the things. And it's not healthy, and I know it's not healthy, but I just go back into that place sometimes because it just fuels whatever I want to validate in that moment.
1: Donnie has a great saying, if you're going to look in the toilet, you're going to find shit. Yeah. So don't look in the toilet. Now, mind you, I have seen so much hate. I mean, I even called things that – I haven't heard – actual murders in prison be called yeah you know what I mean I've heard my son be called things that no one should ever call a yeah. child so I've I've read it all I've experienced it all I've had people say to my face I can't I've gotten to this place I can honestly say where I can look at anything that is uh evil or mean directed at me and I I don't it doesn't affect me and it's not a wall of compartmentalization I've come to the understanding and only through my own self of experiencing this is that everything that we feel about ourselves we project. Yeah. We project so we can see it or we use people so we can see it. And I only learned that from my own projections yeah. of projecting of me watching TV going, I can't stand that housewife. You know, and then me stopping and going, okay, what bugs me about this celebrity that yeah. I don't know in person? Like, what is it? What are her attributes that are bugging me or triggering me? What about this political figure we can use for people that bugs me? Let me use some words. And I learned this from Byron Katie. And Byron Katie, if you don't know who she is, she's a wonderful spiritual teacher. And she has this thing called the turnarounds, where you turn things around. And I actually asked her and slept over at her house and said, Help me understand mean things people say. Yeah. And, we, and and she helped me understand that. And, and now when I read that, I say, oh, they must be having a really bad day. Yeah. That person must be hurting, you know? Like, I used to answer people back. Yeah. You don't see me answering anybody back. I just, I send them love and send them on, on their way. And um, I, I taught Evan this from an early age, and it's one of my... Most proudest thing as a mother, I've taught him because he will walk in the door from school and be like, "Charlie had a bad day today," and I'm like, "Why?" and he's like, "You know, he called me this awful name. He called me a loser, dork, that should die." And I just thought to myself, "Wow, his mom must have yelled at him last night or something." (laughs) So I was like, "That's it. Yeah, it's not personal. Yeah." And when you can really own that, it's not personal. It is heaven. It is freedom. And and your heart expands. Yeah. You just you have
0: to remember that it's whatever they're going through, they're operating from their own level of consciousness. I think for me that came with having to go through a really heavy grieving process last year and understanding that a lot of people didn't understand what I was going through and I had to remember They don't know this pain. They haven't been here yet. Correct. And you have to have that level of empathy for them, even though in the moment you want them to have so much empathy for you. That is right. And, you know, and when you do that and you operate from that lens, you're able to not take it personally anymore.
1: Correct. And you said that so beautifully. And it's not a place from like, you're not at my level of consciousness. It's not that. No. It is, okay, they haven't gone through the experiences I've gone through maybe yet and Or they've had a a hard upbringing, or they had a terrible day, you know, and that's where they're, that's what they're projecting. I love them and send them, you know, some healing. Yeah. But by the way, that took me, how long have I been in this business? Almost 30 years, 28 years or something like that. Took that many years where I can say I I have mastered that. Yeah. I've mastered that. So whatever you guys wanna say to me. Sorry, I'm just saying you love it right back.
0: <laughs> no, they're you, that's like telling them, bring it. And then they're like, all right, I'll bring it. I don't like to poke the bear.
1: I mean, by the way, I could test that and become a housewife.
0: Yeah. If Would you ever do it?
1: I've been asked. Yeah, been Bethany asked, asked Bethany you, right? asked. And I was like, first of all, Bethany, I love you for asking. Second of all, I don't live in New York. I live in Jersey. And I don't have the money you guys do. So no. <laughs> but truth be told, I could not do that kind of thing. Um, like, it's like The View. Yeah. It's like living with The View. I could not fight like that. And, Combat, yeah. And, you know, it's it's ruthless on Twitter for these housewives.
0: Oh, yeah. Lisa you know? Rinna takes so much heat. So
1: much heat. And so that is a school yeah. that I'm not willing to join that school. You yeah. know? Like, I've got my own. I don't need another university. Yeah.
0: Have you kept in touch with Chelsea at all, Chelsea Handler? Because you guys used to be so
1: close. We were very close when I lived out here. We were very close, and um, I had her on my radio show just before I finished. Um, She's, had I of, <gasps> right? She's
0: had a lot of major awakening herself,
1: right? She's had definitely a shift in consciousness, yeah. And um, I'm happy for her. She's been very happy.
0: What did you think when she came out with Joe Coy?
1: I love Joy.
0: Because you were around during Chelsea lately.
1: I was so happy. I thought they made a beautiful couple. couple. I was happy. I was was actually really disappointed when they broke up.
0: I do really love seeing her be so self-aware now, you know, and being like, and and just kind of owning why the relationship didn't work in her own role. And, you know, I think she's in a really good place. I loved her last book. Me too. And I think she's.
1: I think so too. I was like, okay, if Chelsea Handler can shift (laughs) y'all. Anyone can.
0: <laughs> okay. I do you have some listener questions for you? Oh, wow. Okay. The Zach Pack sends in some questions for you. One of them was about would you ever join Housewives? Um, but uh, Tom J. Seymour wants to know, have you seen the secrets of the Playboy documentary and what are your thoughts?
1: They had asked me to um, host oh. that show. They wanted me to really be involved and be an executive producer and be in it Numerous times where I had to, on the sixth time, said, no, I love the production company. I'm going to put that out there because I do love them who did it. Um, But because I didn't have the same experiences. So I wasn't going to sign up for a paycheck and be salacious. Yeah, I didn't experience those things. And hearing their stories, my heart broke for a lot of these women. I am so grateful that um, when I was there, Hef was married and it was it was kind of run like a strict dormitory. Like we weren't even allowed near half or around the house. It was very um, it was almost like Catholic school, to be honest. There were no orgies or big parties going on. So I think I went in there in a window of time that was kind of safe. Yeah. Um, but hearing some of these girls stories was really rough.
0: Yeah, I know Holly Madison's come out. She's spoken a lot about it, Kendra Wilkinson. And they have very conflicting stories as well in terms of what their experiences were. Um, and it's funny to think they were in the same house at the same time. Well,
1: think about this, because I have three sisters. And when I'm publicly telling my stories of childhood, someone will call me like, what, should, what house were you raised in?" <laughs> because each one of them have their own whole point of view and perception yeah it's almost like we were in different households when you sit down and hear everyone's yeah. you're like really that's what you thought that's who you blame for your trauma you know what I mean it's like everyone has a different uh story outline of their life and that same that's that's the analogy I would use for the playmates it's like yeah we were in the same house yeah well, didn't experience the same shit
0: well, I know Holly did speak highly of you in her book. Did you, you interviewed her, didn't you?
1: I have. Um, she was always great. I Always loved yeah. Holly. Yeah. Loved her.
0: No, she's great. Now they're relaunching the podcast with her and Bridget going back and watching The Girls Next Door. Oh, wow. It's crazy to see how much Playboy has kind of evolved. I mean, and you posed several times. I mean, your most recent, you were what, 40?
1: I was 40 10 years ago. Oh, my God.
0: But what a milestone, though. I mean, they don't often have, you know, I mean, we even we see Kim Kardashian now posing on Sports Illustrated at 40. And like, that's something that was not a thing 10 years ago.
1: No, no, I guess not. Kind of
0: broke that mold.
1: I kind of wanted to do it before my tits got really saggy. I was like, I'm just going to get in there before, before they're scraping the floor.
0: Uh, Catherine Davies wants to know if you'd ever start a podcast. She says she really misses your radio show.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful because I know a lot of people have been writing, going, please come back. And, you know, my sister, um, my older sister Lynette, has been asking me, she's a podcast lover, and she's like, please, 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 let's do one together and and just do it on whatever topics. It could just be, you know, interviewing, you know, special people or just talking and rifting on our childhood. And I was like, all right, so – I will be coming um, out with something. Um, I'm just don't know when. And we probably only have four that we've banked so far. So you know, the four over the course of a year and a half. (laughs) Eventually, we'll get it out there.
0: I feel like you should do something in the realm of like dating and relationships. You started on Singled Out. You've done so much for the work. You're in such a healthy relationship now. Is that something you would ever consider?
1: The problem with that is, and this is what I learned being on radio doing two hours a day is that when you limit yourself to one particular topic, mm. you dry out of that topic really quick. Yeah. So you want to be as broad and big as possible. Otherwise, you will die a slow death. You will literally want to jump off a bridge and be like, yeah. I can't talk about this anymore. anymore. Yeah. So if I go on, it'd be like, today we're going to talk about plastic surgery, what to do and what not to do, You know, and horror stories, You know, and what's the latest and greatest, or um, who knows, husband stories. Divorce stories, you name it.
0: Can you see yourself doing another book?
1: You know, I keep asking myself that because I do love writing. Yeah. But um and then I tell God, please don't let me have any ailments or anything happen. Like I can't deal with anything else. Yeah. Um so probably someday I've just written so much about everything my whole life. Yeah. And I like to write from experiences. So I'll have to wait. I was like, do I do the menopause book? And I went through menopause. And I'm like, shit, I didn't have any symptoms. So weird. <laughs> so I can't do that. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Reality TV, would you ever go back?
1: <sighs> never say never, except I think I have to wait for um, society to welcome positive reality shows. Mm. Um Donnie Loves Jenny was so great because we were able to be positive. Evan refused. He quit, so we couldn't do it anymore. But people want the salacious drama. And I don't, I I can't sign up for that. Look, my life is too precious to dirty it up.
0: I remember when I was doing a lot of the heavy autism work for my brother I remember there was a, a moment, because I was writing books, I had signed my family on to do a documentary where we kind of shared all the it. And I, at the time, was like, we need to write, I need to write the books and we need to do this documentary because that's what's affording us the ability to get access to some of these treatments at the time. A lot of people didn't understand it. The internet didn't understand it. They thought I was exploiting. And I think that was an an inner um, insecurity that I had. And I remember at that time thinking I hope one day he doesn't grow up and hate me for exploiting our story so much because I know what my intention in doing this is. And I know it's affording us these, you know, it, they shouldn't even be luxuries because they're, it's treatment that was necessary, you know? Can
1: I say, and what a loving thing to do for your brother. That's you. the truth of it. What a loving Thank you. thing to do. I don't know many siblings that have dropped everything. Do that for their brother. Thank you. It's really beautiful, Zach.
0: Why well, bring this up because he's now at the place where he is an adult. He's now twenty. Um like crazy. And he is like the biggest supporter of the podcast. Wears the no-filter hats watches every youtube video listens to all the episodes and like when i when my mom told me she's like all he does is play your podcast on repeat all damn day and she's like i'm sick of hearing you she's like i'm your mother but i'm sick of hearing your voice That's every day so all day every day so and i was like oh my god what a relief yeah. because i was so afraid i was like i didn't want him to feel like i exploited him because and i always tried to make the focus on me Because I was like, I'll exploit the shit out of my life and my story and whatever. And we can poke cameras into any detail of my life. But I never wanted to utilize him in that way. I always wanted to get us, you know, to be that bridge. Totally. Was that ever a fear that you had? Of course. Yeah.
1: Of course. I remember when I had to make that choice. And it was a conversation I kind of had with God. And I said, you know, please help guide the way on how and what to, how to heal my, heal my son. And um, if you do, I'll teach the world how I did it. And um, Evan was making great gains. And it wasn't that I felt like, all right, God's going to punish me if I don't do this. It was more like, how could this not be a public? Yeah. How can I not tell the world that removing gluten and dairy can help some of these kids? You know, um, that's what really kind of drove me and thought to myself, hopefully, Evan will understand someday. Because my intention um, would probably be the same as his. Like, share it with the world. And uh, then that day came (laughs) where um, I think he was, I want to say, 16. And I got a phone call. I was in New York at the time. And he goes, "Um, Mom, I just Googled myself. And I was like, okay. And he said, we need to have a conversation. (laughs) And I was like, Oh shit. This is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm like, I'd rather him Google himself than Google me. Yeah. (laughs) Which that happened later on. I'll tell you that story. But, um, you know, and I talked to him about it and I said, you know, I had to make that choice and this is what that choice did. Hmm. These are the good things that came with it. These are the bad things that came with it. And, you can make your own decision. I'm not going to um, force you and convince you otherwise. Um, I'm going to have you read some letters that I saved because I received probably, I don't know, 20,000 letters, you know, some written to Evan that I saved in a package like this and had him read some of them of, like, parents that were saying, like, thank you, my kid got better, or Evan, you have no idea. And, uh... He came to me and said, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did that. Like, he's such a gift. He's such a he's such a Buddha. Hmm. Um, every classroom he enters, every friend group he enters, he's a healer. Any kid that's sitting by himself, he will sit down. Um, any kid that's making fun of, he stands up for them. Hmm. So fortunately, and I think you're right, because if your intention is pure, it all works out.
0: Obviously, manifestation got you to this place. What would you say is currently on your manifestation list?
1: Oh, I think about that sometimes because I go, "Uh uh-oh, I should be manifesting right now. And I'm like, (laughs) and when I don't have anything to manifest, I say this, more of this, please. More of this, please. Because sometimes I feel like, I used to feel like, oh, my God, I'm not manifesting anything. Why aren't I manifesting? Well, because I've got everything. So... I say, am. More of this, please. Yeah. Just bless More of this, please. I'm in the most beautiful marriage. I walk around my house. I look at my husband. I look at my son. I look at my beautiful dogs. I'm like, more of this, please. And I just go, more of this, please. And I'm so grateful because I have gone through hell. Yeah. And I've come out of hell. I've paid my dues. I've learned so much on this earth school. I'm still learning a shit ton. I have so much to learn still. Um, then I want more of this, please. And I will say, and I'll include this: the one thing that I still have to, I have to try to work on, that I'm still like, okay, haven't mastered that, is self criticism. Hmm. Self criticism is like, it's it's a lot, and it, and I think like that's why I'm like, I've mastered. Anyone can say anything to me.
0: Yeah.
1: But where the projection is me and coming back to me and on me and i'm and being in this business is so hard yeah you know it's like i would love to shave my head and (laughs) never have botox again yeah saggy tits and cellulite yeah sing kumbaya and have an organic garden and never be heard from again you know so there's like this weird juxtaposition of like this spiritual nomad that wants to like have nothing you know just just be and then this girl that does like being in this business but then has to that minds are so caught up and being like oh my god you know so I'm working on I still have self-criticism hopefully the next time you interview me I've gotten a little bit better
0: (laughs) I mean I think everybody struggles with that
1: yeah but at least I know what I need to work on
0: yeah thank you Thank for being you. here and chatting with me and being so honest and open and candid. Likewise, I'm As so always. happy for you, Zach. I'm Thank so
1: you. fucking happy for you. I'm sorry if I swore. I love this man more than anyone could imagine. And he's, you're so talented. You're so talented. You are. You're my favorite interviewer. Oh. Sorry, Oprah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't
0: think I would be doing this 500 episodes later. I did it for like, I was like, I'll do this for a year and we'll see what happens. And. Look at it! Here we go. I love it. Guys, go and stock up on Formless Beauty by Jenny. Clean ingredients, pure intentions behind each of the the different lip glosses. Available at formlessbeauty.com. And catch Jenny on Season 8 of The Masked Singer, September 21st on Fox. Set your DVR now. Anything else? Love you. New Kids on the Block concert tickets. Go get them. (laughs) It's a fun concert. It's probably sold out by now, but if it's not, I suggest you go get one. We were tearing it up on that dance floor. We were. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Zach.